This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special five-part podcast series on the fight to secure supply chains through cross-industry innovation. This podcast series is sponsored by Exeter. In this series, we will explore the ongoing efforts of Exeter to lead the discussion and enhancement of supply chain risk management. First, word about Exeter's Supply Chain Explorer. Today, risk management professionals and procurement professionals are swamped. A new artificial intelligence risk detection tool is helping Fortune 500 companies and government agencies surface, understand, and mitigate critical threats to their third-party and supplier networks literally within hours. Introducing Supply Chain Explorer, a groundbreaking AI platform developed by Exeter, a leading global risk and compliance SaaS company. Exeter Supply Chain Explorer is a next-generation platform built on award-winning AI that delivers instantaneous transparency, allowing you to meet the urgent imperative to protect global supply chains from sanctions, ESG, and cyber risk at unprecedented speed and scale. With single-click supply chain detection, high-level due diligence, and risk analysis, everyone can now join the fight to secure our global supply chains. For the first time, you can even spot potential disruptions before they impact your supply chain. Check out Exeger's Supply Chain Explorer. Welcome to episode one of a special five-part series on Exeger's fight to secure supply chains through cross-industry innovation. In this first episode, we take a look at supply chain issues in healthcare with Erica Peters and Tim Stone. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is Tom Fox. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Erica Peters and Tim Stone. So guys, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. So I was wondering if you could uh, both tell us what your current roles are with Exeger and Erica, if we could start with you. Sure. So, um, you know, I was appointed around six months ago to become the um, global lead for third party and supply chain risk management um, at Exeger. What that means is because we're a um, SaaS um, tech firm, I help um, provide customers with those solutions. Um, so I'm interacting with the, the procurement teams or the cyber teams or um, you know any kind of risk function really looking at their third parties and supply chains um, and trying to help solve those problems. So I am a senior director with, I actually have supply chain risk management in my title, and I lead a team that delivers a product we call Illuminations, that is kind of the starting point for a, a supply chain risk management framework when you're trying to understand your your generally upstream supply chain to look at where you're sourcing goods from and where your suppliers are in turn sourcing goods from. And we use big data, um, a lot of different data sets to um, understand and visualize supply chains and then use that as a launching pad for uh, investigative research um, that we we perform for generally for um, clients in the federal government but also increasingly um, commercial sector clients whether defense industrial based clients or um, increasingly just non-defense industrial based commercial clients. So today we're going to visit about healthcare and supply chain issues. Uh, that's going to include hospitals, life sciences, pharmaceuticals, and I'm going to add perhaps medical devices and medical services as well. And frankly, I can't think of an industry 
which has had more impact over the past couple of years, obviously because of the worldwide pandemic, than healthcare. So it's not only a timely topic, but it's one that's going to be ongoing timely. So uh, with that, Erica, what are you seeing as some of the key challenges in supply chain risk management in the healthcare sector? Yeah, so the way I think about the healthcare sector and how it differentiates from the other um, sectors, and I know you've been talking to some of our colleagues about, is that the ultimate risk is trying to mitigate fatalities. And so thinking about the third parties that these companies have to work with and then their supply chain just makes it one of the most extremely critical industries to really be thinking about and um, trying to solve this problem for. Um, I think a lot of industries are dealing with it, but the healthcare sector is one that I um, am really interested in in trying to help um, for the, the reasons that you said. It's a timely topic, and we've just seen you know, the numbers in terms of when it goes wrong how scary and and sad that can be. And so the key challenges really have been and um, uh, what we've been talking about most is when we, in the past going into, let's say the pandemic or in just a past of looking at third parties and supply changes generally, it was taking the word of the vendor. Um, so sending them a questionnaire and asking them a few questions and then moving on. And the due diligence of really validating that information is something that is a challenge. Um, it's it's trying to figure out, you know, where is that data to help validate it? Um, it, is, it could just be so vast. And so um, that is a big challenge and trying to get it quickly, I think, is, is the other big challenge that goes with it. Uh, procurement teams, because of this now, are being asked to do so much more and, frankly, with a lot less. And so that can be a big challenge. Um, they have to rely on companies that have brand recognition, good quality, um, you know, and it. They can't just be cavalier about who they're going to use when they're creating a new medicine or, you know, they need to switch. So switching a vendor can take like 12 to 18 months. Therefore, you have to be really predictive and proactive in your program. And currently, I would say we are still very much on the lower reactive tier. Um, understanding the supply chain and the risks that sit in it um, is something that is really at the forefront of the challenge currently. Um, and so where are these things being sourced, trying to identify that information and, you know, trying to mitigate um, from, a, from a compliance perspective as well as from a uh, concentration risk perspective. What we have found is, especially in the, the healthcare industry, um, there's a lot of distributors so knowing what sits behind a distributor, um, if you're doing your due diligence, is is a challenge and just broadens the the third parties technically um, much further. So I think those I would say are the key challenges. Um, I'm sure anyone listening to this would say there's a thousand more behind that. So Tim, if I could maybe ask you the following, um, you know, I talked about the pandemic in my opening. Uh, that is not anything new or to anyone who has lived anywhere on earth over the past couple of years. But yeah. now we're to hopefully the perhaps downhill part of the pandemic. And have you had the opportunity or you and your colleagues had the opportunity to reflect on some of the lessons learned 
from the pandemic, from COVID-19, for the healthcare sector, once again, from the supply chain perspective? Yeah, and I, I think there's probably two parts to answering that question is what, what were the issues we encountered um, during the pandemic related to the healthcare sector, supply chain, and then, then the lessons learned. And, and we actually had a, we're, we're well situated to speak to that. We worked with a, um, uh, something called the Joint Acquisition Task Force with the Department of Defense during the pandemic. And it was this, this interagency push to source products across various pandemic related areas like therapies, vaccine ingredients, testing materials and equipment, personal protective equipment, even like things like no touch thermometers. Um, and so what we did during that period of time was we illuminated dozens of product areas um, across those different sectors and we used market intelligence tools to identify companies in each sector. We used modeling to estimate production capacity and then we used uh, what's probably been talked about in past uh, podcasts but our automated due diligence tool DDIQ and our in-house risk model to then surface risks about those companies that we identified. And really, if you think about it, the goal is to um, help the, the government and this, this task force within the DOD learn about what companies were in a particular product space in the healthcare sector, how much could those companies realistically produce, and then whether they were viable targets for government investment or whether they were too risky, whether they were just shell companies that were designed just to defraud the government at the time. And so our, our involvement in, in the JADF work really brought us to uh, the conclusion, or me at least, that the health healthcare sector supply chain is 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 global, it's complex, and and it's pretty fragile. And just starting with the issues encountered, um, and it's I don't think I'm saying anything shocking, but overdependence, depending on on entities in foreign states that are prioritizing their own national interests above open trade, uh, most significantly on 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 our main geopolitical foe on China especially for PPE and pharmaceutical intermediates and active pharmaceutical ingredients, basically the building blocks for the drugs that we all rely on, heavily concentrated in China and also Southeast Asia, which was my next point, concentration risk, heavy sourcing from China, India. Um, even if you look at India, though, the research we did at the time and the, the data analysis was that India was sourcing a lot of its goods from China. Um, and we saw really otherwise obscure examples of concentration rifts arise during COVID that, that you had never thought about before, like, like Malaysia, for example, we realized it was a top producer of nitrile gloves, that it owns about 65% of the market. And so COVID-driven disruptions were the, the, what was impacting Malaysia and, and outbreaks of COVID were in turn impacting our ability to get nitrile gloves. And then suddenly there were mainstream news articles about the nitrile glove supply chain, which is, you know, it was just a, a sign of the times, of the, the chaos of the times, and, and really the, the kind of the way the world f turned and focused on supply chains and where goods are ultimately sourced. I think another issue we encountered was limitations on, on just-in-time in inventory management. And we saw demand just totally outstrip supply, and there was competition for resources even within the, the government, the, in the U.S. government, between the federal government, state agencies, local agencies, and, and products that pre-COVID were just considered non-strategic commodity items that should just be purchased at the lowest possible cost using, the, using as I mentioned, just-in-time inventory management, and the N95s are the classic, exa classic example. Suddenly, they, they, were, they were strategically vital, and it was like the Wild West. I mean, there was hoarding, profiteering, 
There were gray markets with fraudsters and counter counterfeiters trying to exploit this tremendous demand. And then the last kind of issue we saw that, that led into our lessons learned was just the lack of supply chain visibility. And this is the kind of speaks to the, the work I do where I illuminate supply chains. I help organizations understand what is upstream in their supply chain and, and um, the, the lack of tools to peer beyond these distributors like McKesson or Cardinal Health and also to assess supply chain risk, uh, uh, to assess the risk of the vendors um, at those higher levels of the supply chain. Um, you know, during COVID, there was tremendous uncertainty about where goods were coming from and whether these new vendors that were uh, cropping up could actually fill orders or whether they were just you know, vehicles for fraud. And I'll, I know I've gone a little bit long, but I'll just go quickly through the lessons learned was, number one, supply chain illumination and transparency. We need to prepare for the next black swan event. We are basically going from one global crisis to the next. Um, companies, organizations, the government need to understand where they are ultimately sourcing their goods, not just one rung up. Um, you need to know if all your vendors are sourcing from the same state-owned enterprise in some sprawling Chinese metropolis. And you can't mitigate that risk without knowing it. Um, number two, building emergency capacity and increasing redundant capacity. Again, just-in-time inventory management won't work anymore. Um, we're not talking about video games or securing parts for Tesla. As Eric has said, this is life or death. Uh, removing silos, we saw organizations struggling because there were different parts of organizations, whether it was finance department, logistics, operations, compliance, they were all looking at supply chain through their own, their own lenses and their own silos. You have to marry these different areas together, um, and that's really what supply chain risk management is, to make informed decision making. And the last item I'll note is building the technology and adopting the technology to vet and continuously monitor vendors. I mean, you need risk information about vendors at your fingertips or else you're just guessing about uh, the credibility and, and the legitimacy of vendors. Uh, you need a basic due diligence capability. You need to create one in times of relative peace so that it exists when the next pandemic or global war breaks out, which seems like it's like every six months now at this, at this point in time. So you can vet third parties and for your existing suppliers, you can trust but verify what they're telling you. Erica, uh, we've talked about some of the problems uh, you and your exit, your colleagues have observed and some of the lessons learned. I wanted to turn to uh, how you see healthcare sector can improve its supply chain risk management issues based upon what we've seen and the successes that Exeter has been able to bring to the marketplace in a variety of other areas. Yes, so there are two key areas that I like to talk to our customers about um, in, in areas for improvement. One is going to be at the program level and creating a truly risk-based program which will help the teams increase the, the depth that I think Tim was just outlining that we need to go into, but where it truly matters. So looking at entities that will cause an operating room to shut down or will prohibit a company from um, getting materials that are needed for medicines that society is um, relying on. So the really critical entities need to have the most in-depth due diligence, and you need to create a program that allows you to do that feeling safe at every point of that um, 
I guess, program. And then the other piece is what, what Tim was hinting at. We, we have to have technology. We need to improve on that technology. Um, it needs to be something that can get all that information to an analyst quickly, as well as just get them what they really need. Get rid of all that noise. So those are the two areas. How do you do that or how can we improve in those areas? Um, at Exeter, we talk a lot about trades. Um, I know you did a five-part series on that last year. Um, and we've received a lot of positive feedback. Um, the market has been saying that, you know, taking that strategic um, risk appetite view and having it trickle down to the tactical level um, is is really important way of making sure that the people at the bottom who are doing the actual work, that they're hitting the right risk lens that the company wants to take. And I think in the healthcare sector, it is going to be one where they um, are a lot more um, conservative in taking risk. Um, and then what... Uh, people have found really helpful is there's one part of the, pro, um, the the framework where we talk about the maturity model. And what I've seen is that going into the pandemic, we're very reactive. However, you know, we're just now starting to come out of this pandemic. And so it has still been in the healthcare sector, very much just trying to deal with the day to day. And we're just now starting to look at these improvement areas. And how can we get to this higher level of more of a predictive posture, which is really the golden standard where we want to be. One area is, um, Tim just alluded to, is bringing everything into one place. We need to have these teams that are looking at their own individual risk and bringing it into one view of this entity, especially these critical ones. I mean, those are the ones I really want to hone in on here. So yes, do we look at them from a compliance perspective, from a quality perspective, all those types of things? You know, are they FDA approved? Of course, we want to make sure that they have the right licenses and requirements um, and aren't sourcing, you know, from sanctioned countries, let's say, like the real bare minimum. We have to have that. But in that same risk picture, we want to talk about financial health. We want to talk about the operational risks. Are there merger and acquisitions? Healthcare industry has a lot of companies just kind of, you know, merging. And you want to know that because you may be creating concentration risk. You need to monitor this. And you need to look at that, that full picture. And the last is really jurisdictional, which will help you be more proactive um, in the, the the lessons learned that Tim was just covering, knowing where the subsidiaries are based, knowing where the manufacturers are based, knowing who the owners are and where they are based. You know, currently that's a big hot topic with Russia. So these risks need to be looked at together. And then lastly, the area for improvement there is the supply chain piece. Um, a lot of um, healthcare companies and just companies in general have not been doing this work. Um, and so that leads me to technology. Um, we did a recent... Um, uh, market study of which healthcare was uh, a market we were looking at and uh, we did it with a company called Stacks LLC and we found in the healthcare sector around 30% of respondents were looking to spend 20% more on their third party and supply chain risk management solutions. That is significant but I know that in this industry every dollar counts and so here are the steps that I would say you would want to invest that money in. Upgrade the technology to help with that risk-based program. Get a really strong um, kind of criticality assessment so that you know where to focus. 
um, stop relying on just the questionnaire going to the, the vendor and taking that as kind of gospel, making sure that you have invested in a technology that will help you gather the information. At Exeter, we have a platform called DDIQ. It's an AI nat uh, natural language processing um, platform, which will gather a whole bunch of different data, helping you get those risk profiles that I just outlined um, all into one place for the analyst. And you know, raising what you care about, because you don't care about all those risks at the same time, but you want to see that holistic picture. And then lastly, um, we've been really working on this, this last problem, which I know a lot of um, other tech companies are, which is a supply chain piece. So we just came out with Supply Chain Explorer, and it will help illuminate and map those those relationships, which will help identify the concentration risks as well as the compliance risk, really at a click of a button, which is, is, is phenomenal and will help do this quicker. At the ultimate, that's what we said the big challenge was at the top. It, we have to get this done quicker and we need technology to do that. So um, I would say that that is really the, the only way we're going to start becoming more proactive um, and help prevent fatalities in the long run or mitigate, minimize. Tim, let me turn to you because one of the key themes I've heard throughout this podcast is that the topics that you have discussed, we've discussed quality, we've discussed compliance, we've discussed operation, we've discussed potentially fraud, and uh, several different types of risk. And But you've been able to categorize them as supply chain risk. And it leads me to, to sort of theorize or at least hypothesize that this type of approach will allow a healthcare provider uh, in whatever uh, discipline that might be, hospital, life science, pharmaceuticals, medical devices, medical services, to not only deliver services or products more quickly and efficiently, but frankly, impact the bottom line. And so I wanted to maybe ask, one, if, if you find that to be a valid hypothesis, uh, and where do you see healthcare sectors, supply chains down the road? Is this sort of combination of multiple risks into simply supply chain risk management or even third-party risk management as a way for all of the healthcare industry, frankly, to operate better? Yeah, Tom, I do agree with the idea that that we can improve the bottom line and that organizations operating in the healthcare sector or that are are, impl are implicated in the healthcare sector, with it, which is just about everyone, um, yes, through greater fluidity, greater understanding of their supply chains, greater ability to on the fly um, gauge the, the credibility of vendors um, and, and have that Due diligence information at their fingertips through technology um, is going to is going to avoid a lots of waste, fraud, and abuse, and create a uh, more well-oiled machine from a supply chain perspective. Um, and you know, the, the the second part of your question kind of alluded to risk areas going forward, um, and 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 what are the evolving supply chain risk areas? Um, I, I think we're not. We're, we're nowhere near done in terms of addressing risks. Uh, I, I, I tend to view supply chains through a very geopolitical lens, um, and, and I actually see China-U.S. conflict uh, 
as a major risk for, for, for health care. I mean, in terms of, I mentioned before, in terms of pharmaceuticals, we are extremely exposed to our reliance on China for, for um, solvents and acids and, and chemicals used to make the, that are the building blocks of the drugs that we use every day, which is uh, probably the, 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 the most significant part, uh, in my view, of, of the healthcare industry and, and sector. Um, and even India, which is an ally, sources many of its chemicals and raw materials from China. And it just uh, to speaking to current events, uh, you know, we see Russia's invasion of Tehran, uh, uh, of not Tehran, Tehran. I was going to say of Ukraine, um, and we're in the midst of boycotting. The West is in the midst of boycott, boycotting and isolating Russia from the global market. I mean, we're basically purging Russia from our supply chain. So, so what is going to happen now if China invades Taiwan? Um, how are we going to respond? There's going to be disruptions to our trade flows. China has wielded its commercial dominance as a weapon in the past, such as with instances of, of rare earth elements where they withheld rare earth elements, which is another area where they're dominant. Um, and, you know, just imagine shortages of medicines we need um, during a China-Taiwan um, invasion crisis where we are trying to then isolate China and essentially sever our the, the Western relationship, economic relationship with China. Um, I view that as a, as a major concern. And I don't think people usually think about a Chinese invasion of Taiwan and impacting um, the healthcare industry very directly. But I think it's going to be one of the, it could be a, a very significant event for the healthcare industry um, and, and a shock to our system. Um, I also view kind of relatedly uh, that, that these responses that, that the United States and other Western governments are, are undertaking, including onshoring and, and nearshoring, um, themselves raise really complicated issues about industrial policy and economic supply and demand. I mean, we've seen, and this is what I learned through some of my uh, JADF work with the DOD, was the pharma manufacturing was outsourced to Italy, Japan, Spain, South America, places like that after World War II, later to, to China and India. And there are really good environmental, regulatory, and financial reasons uh, for, that, for that outsourcing. And we're, we're never, Western society, whether it's the US or, or Europe, we're never going to retake the mantle as the dominant manufacturer of the chemicals that are used to make the drugs that human beings use every day and are, that are necessary for, 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 for life or death. Um, and chemical factories are dangerous. I mean, a former exec told me, if you're making a chemical, if you're making chemicals, acids, solvents, um, intermediates, active pharmaceutical ingredients, the question is, when was the last time your manufacturing plant exploded? Because it's just inevitability, and you, you hear about it happening in India and, and Southeast Asia. Um, no one wants to live next to a chemical plant, and so there are and there are incredible regulatory hurdles to to building these plants, and they take a long period of time. So we are. We, we need to focus on onshoring some critical drugs and healthcare products, selective onshoring. That speaks to what um, Erica was saying about understanding, you know, doing a criticality assessment of what's absolutely critical and where are areas in which we can rely on our allies. But th there's got to be a selective onshoring that's fueled by targeted uh, investments by the government, financial incentives. Research, develop, research and development, and again, supply chain transparency, because you can't, you can't manage what you can't see and understand, which goes back to 
the work I do with illuminations. And then just another risk area is, uh, you know, I'm just fearful of another pandemic. I mean, we haven't even solved the origin of, of COVID. I think the global response was mediocre and that's putting it charitably. Um, are we prepared for another Wild West situation? Um, uh, you know, the risk is there. And, and I've, I've talked about some of the lessons we really need to have learned, um, building supply chain risk management frameworks, putting in tools to help you understand the nodes in your supply chain and then assess the risk of vendors in the supply chain so you can be nimble and adapt in the event of a crisis. Um, and, you know, that is a, just another risk I view on the horizon because it's just a matter of time before we have another, um, another global war, another pandemic, another black swan event. Guys, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I wanted to ask if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics that we've touched upon, uh, Exeter's uh, Supply Chain Explorer, or uh, maybe even to contact either one of you all, what would be the best way for them to do so? Absolutely, Tom. Um, let's have them reach out to our website, exeter.com. There are um, uh, buttons that you can push to get a demo of our solutions um, or a trial of Supply Chain Explorer. Um, and obviously, we would be happy to take direct um, emails of interest at epeters.com and tstone at exeter.com. Well, guys, uh, I judge podcasts on how much I learned, and uh, I learned about 110 on this one. So thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me. I look forward to continuing this conversation. This is Tom Fox. I hope you will join us tomorrow when we take a look at supply chain in manufacturing and consumer market sectors. You can join the fight to secure our global supply chain by obtaining early access trial licenses to Exeter Supply Chain Explorer by visiting exeter.com and we've linked to the site on the show notes. You can also find out how Exeter is making the world a safer and more effective place to do business by following Exeter on LinkedIn or reaching out to any of the experts featured on today's podcast. This special five-part series has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.